I did have a, a woman that I knew. Um, I've been a, I'm a sober person. I've been sober for a lot of years. And I had a woman early in my sobriety who said to me, um, stop, stop worrying about yourself and go help someone. Go find somebody that needs help and go do that. Hi, I'm Matt McKee. I created Cherry Bomb in the Sweet Blast series of limited edition photos with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. Today, I'm talking with Sherry Hughes, the chef and kitchen manager at Women's Lunch Place in Boston. Thanks for joining me, Sherry. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. First of all, can you tell me what is the Women's Lunch Place? Women's Lunch Place is a daytime shelter in Boston. We are set up to bring ladies in off of the street. We only house them during the day. In other words, we're not an overnight shelter, but we give them a safe place to be. We serve them two meals. We let them take showers. They can do laundry. And then we have advocates that help them with housing and jobs and Pretty much we meet them where they're at and try and figure out how we can best help them. We've been doing this for 38 years in the back bay. Wow. This is this I is know. a big operation and uh, right. quite the quite the undertaking to take on. Right. It's challenging. So you said you serve uh, two meals a day to them. And uh, how many people are in the shelter at any time? Well, right now we're closed. We've been closed to our guests for a year now, as oh in fact, tomorrow is our very first day that we're reopening a little bit. Oh, that's and exciting. We're, um, we're taking in our most vulnerable ladies to begin with, those who are not housed. So we're thinking we'll have 20 or 25 women in the shelter starting tomorrow for the next couple of weeks, and then we'll open up more. Everyone that works at the shelter is uh, vaccinated now. And what we are finding out is that most, they have very big numbers of uh, the homeless population that are vaccinated now as well. So we are feeling as if it's time to open up the doors and let the sun shine again. We miss our ladies. You know, we've been, I've been there for almost six years. And I know these ladies really well. I'd see them every day. We're open Monday through Saturday from, you know, we open our doors at seven and we're there till about two. So I, I know them well, and it's very difficult to not see them. No doubt. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, I'm kind of stunned by the, the uh, level of undertaking and also by the fact that you have been forced to be closed for the last year. Um, what kind of but, an impact do you think that has had on your community? Well, Interestingly, as everyone has learned to do, we learned how to pivot really well. I'm not much of an athlete, but I could be a basketball player right now. <laughs> uh, every We call it the Corona curveball. It just keeps rolling along, and every day we're doing something different. So the very first day that we closed, which I believe was March 13th last year, we just started putting all of the food that we would normally serve in bags and bringing it outside to our ladies. And they come because it's a community and we don't serve men. We serve just women. And so they feel safe and they know us. So, and, and frankly, our food is some of the best in the city. Uh, and so they come and see us and they know that we know them and, and we're going to take really good care of them. We've been doing that for a year. So I may, we make bags of lunch in the morning. It's actually lunch, breakfast, snacks, drinks, and we put it in everything in a bag and we hand them out outside during the day. 
our direct care staff have they've been working outside all year in the winter oh in the God. rain uh yeah so it's it's been very challenging but we have continued to take care of our ladies the same way that we did before uh, i'm sorry we've been able to show the same amount of care we just had to do it a little bit differently uh we served something like a hundred thousand meals last year oh my gosh and uh someone shared with me that uh um one of the inspectors that does the tours periodically uh, actually rated you guys one of the cleanest kitchens he's ever been in. It's true. Uh, that just happened a couple of weeks ago. We, I have an amazing staff and we keep our kitchen really, really clean. I really believe that's where it all starts, you know. Um, and the health inspector came in just two weeks ago and he was leaving and he said, uh, I don't know that I've ever been in in a kitchen this clean in Boston. And I, and, you know, I said, you couldn't say anything nicer to me. And he said, he said, you can tell women run this place. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. My, my wife has a a, a pretty iron grip on our kitchen at home and she's got, uh, she, she, keeps it neat. Otherwise it would be three guys living there and it would be a complete and utter disaster (laughs) with me and the boys. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, similar to how my creative drive led me to create Cherry Bomb to address sustainability and humanity's role in climate change, it sounds like your creative drive, from what I know from you before, has really led you to help build and and create dignity for for people. Um, How did you get started in this? Well, I uh, when I was in my 20s, I worked in restaurants like many of us do. Mm -hmm. My mom always insisted all of us learn how to, the three of us kids, learn how to work in restaurants because it's always something to fall back on. And uh, so I did that for about 10 years and I I did a lot of different things in restaurants. I was a bar manager and I waited on tables and worked in kitchens. And then I moved into media, actually. I worked in the radio business. I worked in newspaper for a while at a, a daily newspaper in New Hampshire for 18 years. Oh, wow. Uh, I worked in radio for about four years and I got laid off from my newspaper job, which was really hard. I'd been there for a long time, but you know, people don't read the newspaper the way they used to, Matt. Yeah, that's very true. So I had to sort of pivot and figure out what else, honestly, what I could reasonably do and make a living at. I was really looking for another job in media. I was waiting for my next big journalism job to come along. (laughs) And while I was doing that, I told my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, I told my husband, I said, I'm just going to get a job. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm, I, I don't want to be unemployed. And I, but I was only unemployed for a few months. Uh, and I found a job in a kitchen at, at a nursing and rehab facility in Concord. I think I got the job because I was most likely to show up in the morning. I had a car. I wasn't 20. And, you know, I wasn't going to be on my phone all day. I honestly, and I brought, I brought the guy a pie. I brought a pie to an interview. Anyway, (laughs) so then I started working. I know. And I I came home a couple of days later and and Barry said to me, what did you do today? I said, I made lunch for 100 people. And he said, you can do that? And I said, well, apparently I can do that. So so I started working at kitchens and I was where I I was a line cook and I was a prep cook. And and then I decided that I needed to get some formal education. I went to the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts. Mm, A very good school. Certificate program there. I got married on a Saturday and started culinary school on a Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was nuts. (laughs) 54. 54 years old. I'm going to culinary school. And I was not the oldest person in my class either. And uh, it was really hard and really challenging and amazing. And 
women's lunch place was not my first job out of culinary school, my second job out of culinary school. I knew that I really wanted to work in a kitchen, but I didn't know if I wanted to travel to Boston every day. I live out in Fitchburg, actually. Oh, that's a quite the commute. It is. But they really um, convinced me that this was something that would be, I knew that it would be an important move in my life. My husband actually was the one that said, "Try give, give yourself six months. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but make a commitment for six months. And I did. And I knew within a few weeks that it was going to be a place I would really be able to make a difference. So I get to do what I love in a place that I help people every single day. And and aside to that is that I don't really want to be in a kitchen at one o'clock in the morning. I don't want to be in, you know, some some people go to culinary school so they can work at the most popular restaurant and fine dining and all of that. And uh, and I think that's great. But I and I don't want to open my own restaurant ever. <laughs> And so this is perfect for me. I, I always have Sundays off. I usually have weekends off, but I always have Sundays off. And I'm never, rarely at work at night, for sure. Uh, and I absolutely love what I do every day. I'm really lucky. Yeah. Wow. Um, and one of the things <laughs> you know. that's kind of fascinating is I'm hearing you talking about it. There's a, uh, you love cooking. Yeah, you love the idea of, of how the rest the concepts behind how the restaurant works, as well as you're also uh, doing something for the community as a whole to to raise people up, which I, I find fascinating and and uh, inspiring. And who gets to do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get to go to my job every day and say I love what I do. And and plenty of people can say that. But I know every day, and, I, and we have a lot of volunteers that come and work in our kitchen and in the shelter in general. And I say to them, you know, you can, every day you can do what you do and go to work and be home, whatever. But when you come here and volunteer in this kitchen, you can leave here knowing that you help someone. You help someone greatly every day. That's got to um, feel good. Yeah, it, it, it does feel good. And we also, we serve restaurant quality food. It's a scratch kitchen. We don't take things out of the freezer or any of that. We make our own meatballs and, you know, so it's a scratch kitchen. We get great fresh food, some donated, some we buy. Uh, and I really make sure that the plate looks beautiful. You know, we garnish everything. We wipe a plate, the whole thing right now, everything's takeout. So it's a little more challenging, Yeah. but uh, they know, um, they know I'm a stickler for that. That's the dignity piece, Matt. That's where the dignity comes in. You deserve to have a beautiful plate of food. So a nice, nutritious meal. So what 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 does an average day at the women's lunch place look like for, for you? Well, I leave I'm I'm up at four thirty every day and Ouch. I leave my house by five thirty. No traffic. Of course there hasn't been any traffic in Boston in a year. It's been amazing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I get in that. a traffic jam behind like three people and I'm a little irritated now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're going back honestly, to that, though. The, the traffic is picking up out there. So we are going back, unfortunately. Up. Right. I'm getting I'm getting ready. Uh, I leave my house at 530 and I miss all the traffic. I mean, I'm in the city at my at the shelter at 630 in the morning. I get the coffee made. I get all the ovens turned on and everything. My crew arrives at seven and we start right now. What we do is we start packing bags to go. We start, we prep the food the day before and cook the food the day before. And then the morning of, we put it in takeout containers and we pack bags. Right now for the last year, we've also been serving other places food. We've been providing food for other shelters. Right now there's a shelter over in Brighton at the Charles River Inn. 
and it was an it's called an overflow shelter. It's really an emergency shelter. It was a hotel, and it was still is a hotel. I should say, <laughs> but anyway, so they made it available to um, homeless folks. So we have, I think we have, they have a capacity for hundred. These are people that would otherwise be on the street. So in the winter, they, it, it opened on December first, and you know these people can go in and they have a hotel and they have a place to shower, they have a place to sleep, and we've been providing them breakfast and lunch every day uh, since December. Prior to that, we were sending meals out to other shelters around the city that needed help. Everybody was really struggling with food this year, this past year, because of COVID and unemployment. So we've been doing about a thousand extra meals a week on top wow. of what we, I know. I know. That's an impressive It's number. a lot. Yeah. I know it is. It's a lot. Uh, but I have an amazing, amazing crew. You said that some of the crew is volunteers and some of the crew is staff. Correct. Correct. To start, start with, we didn't have any, any, any volunteers at all. We weren't allowing volunteers in the shelter. Uh, we started opening that back up, I think, last October. Okay. And so. I'm trying to remember from my days in the kitchens way back when. So are you working on the line yourself? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. Because at the end of the day, I love to cook. So if I have a day where I'm not getting my hands in something, it's... I also really believe that, you know, um, I want my crew to always know that there isn't anything that I would ask them to do that I don't know how to do or that I'm not willing to do. Frankly, I don't do a lot of dishes, but um, but I do everything else. So a lot of it is planning and managing. So I have full-time staff. I have five full-time people in the kitchen. And then we have usually three volunteers a day right now. It used to be 20 volunteers a day when we were open for business, but now it's fewer. We're trying to stay away from each other still. Yeah. And we all, so we pack all those bags to go and then we start getting everything cooked for the next day. We have... Um, trucks that come in and, you know, we have um, volunteers to manage and, and make sure that they know how to do what they're doing. And so it's a lively kitchen. We always have good music playing and, uh, you know, you know how that is in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we, we jam, we get, we just work really, really hard. No doubt. That, that was probably some of the hardest work I ever did was working in a kitchen. What, what is an example menu for say a lunch or preparing a lunch for your clients? Today we made quinoa bowls. So it's yeah. quinoa, red quinoa and rice. And on top of that, we put uh, spinach, tomatoes, red peppers, parsley. And then on top of that, we put some chopped turkey and we included some sauce. So either balsamic vinaigrette, we had some um House, we, we had some different sauces that were kind of left over in the in the kitchen from a couple of days ago. So we're putting those in. And uh, what else do they get? So they always get fresh fruit, usually two, two servings of fruit a day. We put in water, juice, and then breakfast. And we always have a homemade dessert for them. Oh, wow. Well, what would yeah. be an example of a homemade dessert? We, we make um, this week. Oh, well, it was Easter. So we made strawberry crisp. For oh. Easter Day, we made we had all these fresh strawberries that were donated from two different places. So we had, you know, a few cases of them. We make cookies a lot. We make brownies. Sometimes I make a cake. It all depends on what kind of time we have. Somebody uh, last week, my assistant manager made lemon cheesecake bars. Oh my gosh! Which was quite ambitious. When you have to make them for uh, 150, it's kind of a lot of work. But. <laughs> 
I know. I said, you, you did? Good on you. <laughs> I love being able to give. The ladies love that. They love having a nice homemade dessert. And Not just ladies. Do, <laughs> sorry? I said, not, not just, just ladies. ladies. I'd love that I stuff know. too. I know. We focus on a very healthy, nutritious meal. Um, lean proteins and lots of grains and lots of fresh vegetables, but we also give them a treat every day. Wonderful. Where do you, most of your donations come from? We have a couple of places. The Greater Boston Food Bank. Mm-hmm. We get about... 2,000 pounds of food from them a month, roughly, sometimes a little bit more than that. And that, and they provide us with a lot of dry protein, like beans and things like that. Lots of fresh produce. We can get cantaloupes, pineapple, um, you know, all kinds of fresh produce, lettuce, things like that. And then protein. So frozen protein, chicken, beef. It's sort of fun when you go on to do your shopping because you need to order a thousand pounds worth of food, but you're not paying for like, it's not coming out of my paycheck. Right. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of fun to do that. And everything is really reduced in, at cost. Yeah. So it's, it's very fun to kind of put those pieces together. Oh, maybe we'll have some grapes this week and things like that. And then we also get a donation from uh, uh, two donations a week from love and spoonfuls. Are you familiar with them? I've heard the name. I'm don't, I'm not familiar with it though an amazing organization as well they are a food rescue organization explain and that. they go around to uh trader joe's and whole foods and stop and shop and they grab food that is very servable but uh, there might be a blemish on a peach or something like that and would otherwise end up in the garbage so mm-hmm. they bring us they come around with a truck twice a week they come out to our alley we meet them in the alley and they say, what do you want? And we grab whatever we know we can use. Uh, and it's very interesting. Sometimes they'll say, oh, look, we have all this candy or look, we have fresh flowers or are you interested in 700 pomegranates? Which no, we're not. Uh, sorry, no, no on the pomegranates, but yes on the blood oranges. Mm. So really beautiful produce. Uh, and as I say, you know, we picked through it a little bit. And then we get a big donation from the Patriots organization once a week. They started this about a year ago, right when COVID started. Um, and it's a veterans organization as well. They teamed up and started offering us food once a week. And we have volunteers that drive out to Gillette and fill up their trucks and bring them back. And we get probably three or 400 pounds of food a week. Wow. Wow. And it's organic food or it's amazing. That's fantastic. I know. Oh, wow. Right. And so then I have all this stuff and then I figure out what to do with it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that during some of my research uh, a couple of years ago, during putting together the Sweet Blast series, one of the things that got me was the fact that uh, so many of the grocery stores will have food waste in like 65% or something like that, something a really high number. And it, it seemed a tragedy that it was all going into the garbage because it was not aesthetically pleasing. And that's one of the reasons why I have styled the uh, Sweet Blast series the way I have with a very colorful, very bright, very perfect food as kind of my version of a protest about the fact that we do that. But then I still find myself when I go into a grocery store kind of, okay, those bananas are looking a little on the brown side. Eh, Maybe I don't want them because they're not going to last as long. But uh, what, what is the food waste situation I know every restaurant has has to deal with with food waste at some point. We look at that as a challenge, Matt. I mean, <laughs> that is you give me that brown um, banana any day of the week and I'll find, you know, honestly, we're 
what we do right now, we if we have, you know, for example, we made coleslaw last week to go with some fish. We have some coleslaw left over. We put them in small containers and we put them in the bags for the ladies so that it doesn't go to waste. Um, we, if we have leftover bread, we make croutons, we make breadcrumbs, we make bread pudding occasionally. Mm. We always, you know, I, I, I've made kale stem and pesto stem, pest and pesto, I'm sorry, um, pesto out of kale stems and, and, uh, parsley stems. Oh, wow. I, we make, you know, we don't make soup a whole lot, but we really do try to, we try to eat all the colors of the rainbow. So when you're talking about going in and looking I mean, we're all attracted to the bright colors in the grocery store, you know, uh, but we try and look at our food and make sure that it's really bright and colorful and nutritious. And we try to waste as little as possible. And there are days that we just don't know how busy we're going to be. It's just really tough to determine mm -hmm. on a really cold day. We know we're not going to be that busy because our ladies stay wherever they are. But then out of the blue, we'll do 190 meals. So it's a little bit challenging and that is where food, food waste comes in, but I'm not afraid to put things in the freezer. I'm pretty resourceful. I love the challenge of figuring out what to do with food. I could have a whole career just with leftovers. Oh, wow. I kind of do. I kind of do that. <laughs> That's a little awesome. bit what so, so your career has been, it started in, in the food industry, went to uh, media and journalism came back to the food industry. If you could go back to your younger self and could give yourself one hint going forward, one thought, one philosophy, one concept, what would you tell yourself? Travel all you can. Travel all you can. All you can. Why? When you're young and when you don't have a mortgage or a baby or whatever. I don't have any children myself, but that's what I would do because that is the best education. Learning to live, learning to be around people that are not like you in a situation that's not what's comfortable for you and um, learning how to be yourself in those situations. I I love to travel and I that's been the hardest thing for me during COVID is not being able to go anywhere. Yeah. I think other people struggle with other things, isolation or whatever. Mine is I'm just busting to get out of the house and go, <laughs> go places. So, uh, and I did travel a lot when I was younger, but that to me is what I would tell. And, and that in terms of food is huge learning how to cook different kinds of food and learning how people eat, how they handle waste, how they are uh, live in a sustainable society or not. Um, all of those things. I, I only, I, when I, when I travel, it's like, where do you want to go? I want to go to Greece. Why? Because I want to eat the food. Hello. <laughs> that's absolutely. All. Absolutely. That's where I want to go. I want to go to, that's what, what I want to do. Sometimes it's because I want to go see a mountain or something, but mostly it's because I want to experience the food and experience the people. I was just going to say, I, I want to go see the mountain because there's a good restaurant at the top of it. And that's yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Um, we know what you would say if you went back in time and talked to your younger self. Now let's look forward 30 years, 40 years into the future. What is your legacy? Wow. Oh, wow. I don't know. I really, no, I've never thought of that, huh? I, I find actually, I ask uh, people like yourself who are doing so much within the community and the future is 
they don't think so much about that. They're, they're so involved in the doing and the actual right. being that the, the legacy may not be as important. But uh, I have a feeling that someone's going to look back on on this period in your life at some point, and they're going to say something about what you've done to affect change in, in the world. I did have a, a woman that I knew. Um, I've been a, I'm a sober person. I've been sober for a lot of years. And I had a woman early in my sobriety who said to me, uh, stop, stop worrying about yourself and go help someone. Go find somebody that needs help and go do that. And if, if anybody thought of me as that kind of person, that would make me really happy. Or if anybody thought of that as a legacy I left behind, that would really be lovely because that was a big learning curve for me um, to stop being selfish and start being selfless or to start helping people that needed it. Um, my job I mean, I have to tell people I'm not completely altruistic. This is, I do get paid for this, you know, but I could probably go make a living in another, in a restaurant somewhere doing, doing what I do. Uh, But at the same time, I wouldn't have the, the emotional satisfaction at the end of the day. Thanks for checking in with Cherry Bomb, the podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. Our guest today was Sherry Hughes from the Women's Lunch Place in Boston. Cherry Bomb, the podcast, is produced by me with consulting help from Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Arts. Please, please like and review the podcast so that others can find us. And let's start the conversation.